0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. I
1: don't know if we have the scriptures up on the, on the screen or not, but I'm going to read to you guys. Do not conform any longer... To the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so the message has another translation another translation of the bible called the message says do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking instead fix your attention on god you'll be charged from the inside out ready, ready readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. God develops well-formed maturity in you.
2: Galatians 4.19 says, I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in all of you. Now, a man probably wrote this. (laughs) So he may not have been well acquainted with uh, actual childbirth. That's my son. Hi. He's in here because he was vomiting till four in the morning. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But I think that what he was trying to grasp from this was um, just from experiencing probably secondhand like the screaming agony and um, pain of childbirth that um, this is how strongly I feel about Christ being formed in you all. So again, it says Galatians 4.19, I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in all of you.
1: 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. We are being transformed into his image.
2: And we have two passages from the Gospel of Luke. The first is about John the Baptist, and the second is about Jesus. First, Luke 1.80, about John the Baptist. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And the second is about Jesus. Luke 2.40. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him.
0: Come on in if you're outside. We're going we're gonna to try something. We're going to do some exercise. So we're going to move to a time of a practice called contemplative prayer. Uh, so if you came to church thinking we weren't going to do church things, you were sorely mistaken. It's like showing up to a Buddhist monastery and thinking they're not going to be meditating or something. Uh, So it's a practice that can help us experience the presence of God. That's what this is going to be. There's many forms of prayer. And because I'm sort of a novice, and I know that some of you are are experts in prayer out there, you're just going to have to bear with me as I try to lead us in this exercise. But... uh, You remember in like junior high when they made you, you know, jump, do jumping jacks in middle school or whatever. And at least for me, we're all in, you know, rows and we're doing our jumping jacks and then uh, push-ups and stretches and all these things. And we didn't realize that we were actually exercising in those moments. We were just following orders or whatever. Uh, But it was actually helping our bodies. And uh, in church, in church services, my experience a lot of the time is. We talk a lot about exercise, you know, and we hear about it and we're thinking, that's a great exercise. Kindness, hmm, you know, or generosity, that's a great exercise. Prayer, that's a great exercise, but we never actually exercise. So you just sit there. Look at you. You're just sitting there doing nothing. I'm doing all the work up here. No. Uh, so we're going to try an exercise. We're going to give it like five to seven minutes, everyone. Five to seven minutes. And uh, it's a short amount of time, and so the results aren't going to be overwhelming for contemplative prayer in five minutes. But we're going to try it. It was like the, the results of your 20 jumping jacks weren't overwhelming, you know, the first day. But the results of your 20 jumping jacks over 300 days started to make a difference, you know. So the results of these five minutes may not be overwhelming, but if you begin to cultivate these practices in your life... They may actually stretch on for 5, 10, 20 minutes. Uh, But we're going to give it 5. So a couple things up front about contemplative prayer. If you're not a religious person or a church person or a Bible-believing person, that's fine. You can still participate. Isn't that great? Uh, That's the beauty of God. Anyone at any time can come to God in prayer. There are no prerequisites for coming to God. You simply say, here I am, and there you are. And that's all it takes. No prerequisites. So you're simply opening yourself up to the reality of the presence of God in this place. So all morning, whether you realize it or not, God has been moving toward you in love, closing in on you constantly. Now, we distract ourselves. We're doing this. You know, I'm, I'm looking at you, and some of you are still, you know, you didn't get the coffee in time. So, you know, or you're, you're smiling, but you're watching something. You're looking at your knees, and you're like, that's hilarious. Uh, and some of you are, like, taking notes and nodding and smiling, and I'm, like, looking at you guys going, yes, thank you. Uh, but nonetheless, God has been constantly moving toward you in love all morning. Uh, and what he's trying to do is reveal to you that you're connected, that you belong, that you have value in this world, And that you are deeply loved. So, in contemplative prayer, we don't say much. You really cannot mess this up. Cannot mess this up. Uh, We don't ask for things. We just simply open ourselves up to God, trusting that we're going to be received into restful arms. Okay? So get comfy in these uh, chairs, however that's possible. Um, And I'm going to set a timer, literally set a timer. Hey, Siri. Siri. Set the timer for five minutes.
2: Come on. Okay, your timer is set for five minutes.
0: That's happening. Here we go. We're going to be silent, all right? Close your eyes if you can. Uh, For those of you who have not slowed down for five minutes all week, this is going to feel like an eternity. Uh, You may be tempted to fall asleep. Try to stay awake. Try not to be a distraction to those around you. Uh, One way to quiet our minds is to quiet our bodies. So just spend some time relaxing your body. Take some deep breaths, but don't be a distraction to those around you. Take a deep breath and, and keep taking deep breaths. And maybe in your mind say to God, here I am. I am with you. Here I am. I am with you. There's nothing to achieve, nothing to strive for. Just be in the presence of God. No agenda but to be with God in this moment. You don't need to control it, influence, just be open to it. As your mind wanders, simply bring it back to that word. Here I am. I'm with you. All right. All right. Just slowly bring yourself back into this moment. Well, good morning. Uh, I hope that was uh, was helpful for you to just sort of center yourself. Um, it's helpful for me, and I don't do it enough, but my hope is that we can encourage each other into these kinds of practices that we might actually be living differently. Uh, so that was to sort of set the stage for some of what I want to talk about this morning and over the next several weeks. Uh, let's, well, let's look at where we're going this morning, bud. Why don't you uh, put up our, our roadmap for us? I like to do this kind of thing so you guys know where we're headed. What are you doing here? Uh, a philosopher, a chaplain, and a disciple. It sounds like a joke. Uh, in versus like. You woke up like this. It matters what you think. Jesus, Christianity, the curse of Ham, and not by accident. So, pretty straightforward. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Uh, so many things bring you here on a Sunday. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your kids that bring you here. Sometimes the hope of meeting a spouse and someday having kids. Uh, some sort of religious obligation that brings you here, maybe. Uh, or maybe a tragedy that you're dealing with. Something difficult in your life where you're hoping that maybe if I go to church, I'll, I'll find some sort of hope or some sort of roadmap to get through this. Uh, or maybe a friend brought you. But that question of what are you doing here, it, it matters. It sets the stage for why you're sitting in these extremely comfortable, beautiful blue chairs that you probably have in your living room. It sets the stage for that. And then if you pull back just a little further, what are you doing here? And you kinda, you know, you're taking the little view from the moon, looking down at Earth, and you're thinking, what am I doing there? What am I doing here on planet Earth? That's a bigger question, right? What I would call maybe your paradigm, how, how you see the world, how you see your place in this world how you think about your place in this world. Uh, and that matters. So when I, when I think about this philosopher, chaplain, and a disciple, uh, I am the disciple, the learner, the student in this story. But uh, I went to a small Christian liberal arts college nestled in the foothills of Santa Barbara called Westmont College. That was like written on the brochure, I think. Come, enjoy. It was, it, if you've been there, it's much like a summer camp. Uh, it's beautiful and small and Christian. Uh, and, and I liked it a lot. Uh, and the chaplain while I was there was a man named Bart Tarman. And it is from Bart Tarman that he was the inspiration and in a lot of the brains and research behind these next four weeks of teaching that I'm doing. So I'm pretty convinced that a lot of pastors, they pretty much are just cycling through other people's stuff. And eventually, you know, they might get back to their own stuff again. <laughs> like, hey, I just heard something that I think I preached on six years ago, and it's now come back to me again. Uh, and I want to preach on it because I liked how they said it better than how I said it. And so a lot of this is going to come from Bart Tarman, and you're going to hear his name over the next few weeks. But he was the chaplain at this, univers- this college where I went to school, and we had to attend a chapel service three times a week in the mornings. And Bart would invite various speakers to come and share. One of those speakers was a philosopher. His name is Dallas Willard, Dr. Dallas Willard. Uh, you may have heard me use that name. You may have heard that name. He was, a, he was the chair of the philosophy department at USC. Some of you have heard of the, the college USC. Um, or perhaps cheered for their team, uh, the, the Trojans. I had to look at my notes. I, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't uh, so, Bart had invited Do- Dr. Willard to come and-, and share, and they were both going to kind of share a little bit, and Dr. Willard was like a hero to Bart, who loved to study the life and teachings of Jesus and discipleship, and Dr. Willard was sort of a guru, a master, an expert in this field, and Bart decides, I'll go first, you know, because we're not going to, and, you know, I'm not going to try and follow Dallas Will- Dr. Willard on this, and so he says, I'll go first, so he gets up there, and he starts preaching, and, you know, as a preacher, like I said, we're looking for cues. Like, are, is the audience with me? Are you guys here? Are you awake? You know, my, my, one of my professors used to say, questions, comments, evidence that you're alive. Um, raise a hand. Something. Like, can I, are you here? And so he's looking, trying to make eye contact. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And, but he's kind of avoiding Dr. Willard because it's, it's, you know, kind of a hero you're like I don't really want to know how he's responding to what I'm saying. So he's gets into his groove and eventually forgets that his hero is sitting there in the front row and at the end though he finishes up and he he decides to venture over into the the realm of Dr. Willard to see how he is you know kind of taking it all in and he looks at Dr. Willard and he's like this. Just hands in his his head in his hands, and Bart's thinking, oh no, it's gone much worse than I expected. And, uh, and then Dr. Willard looks up at Bart, and he's weeping. And they, have, they, they go to lunch afterwards, and he says, You know, Bart, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about Jesus and believing in Jesus the way that you do. We need more people doing that so many more people doing that and bart is just eating it up this is like blowing him up he loves it he's just taking it in wow what a compliment from such a trusted and admired source and he says and he goes on he says in fact i don't i think that's the best preaching i've ever heard on believing in jesus and bart's like and then he paused and bart recounts this story to me, and he says, I should have known. should have known when the philosopher pauses. (laughs) Something's coming. And he says this. He says, Bart, you do an incredible job of helping people believe in Jesus and preaching about believing in Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing if you believed like Jesus yourself, And Bart sort of tilts his head and is thinking, now, I'm not sure if that's a, a compliment. Let me think. But he thought about it. And he says, you know what? I, he, he thought to himself, I've given so much time and energy to preaching and helping people believe in Jesus. And I've given precious little time to thinking about and helping people believe like Jesus believed. It's this in versus like thing. A lot of the time, we're very concerned that other people believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. I went to a harvest crusade, and I said, I believe in Jesus. And that may have been that turning point for you where you made a decision to say, I want to follow that way. And that's fine. Fine. But then we have to keep moving in this way of believing like Jesus believed. And so that's what this series, these next four weeks, we're going to be talking about. What did Jesus believe? What did he wake up in the morning believing about himself, about the earth, about God, about how things are ordered? Because I think he's very interested in us believing those same things, right? If I were to take you to the top of this building and say, hey, don't do a belly flop off of this because you're going to incur some serious injury, maybe even die, I don't have to convince you of that because you woke up this morning believing in gravity and how it works. If you're doing the Tough Mudder down at Camp Pendleton and you're running through and jumping obstacles, God bless you, I don't do it, but yes... You're down there at Camp Pendleton. You notice 300 yards to your right, there's some soldiers doing some target practice, and you think, I'm gonna veer in between the targets and the bullets. No, because you believe. I don't have to convince you not to do that because you believe that bullets flying through the air cut through flesh and blood and bone and can harm you, right? That's why when, you know, when we're in these dangerous sorts of situations, we react because our belief's Guide us. They guide us. I don't have to convince you. Don't do belly flops off 30-foot buildings onto concrete. It's not a good idea. Your beliefs govern your actions. Okay? What you believe, what you think, actually matters. So, Bart and and Dr. Willard, they end up getting together a number of times over their relationship. Dr. Willard has since passed, but... uh, in the time of their relationship, they, uh, they did a conference together on discipleship, and Dr. Willard is sort of the convening power presence behind this thing. Like, people are coming to this thing because he's there, and yet he does very little of the speaking. There's, Bart said, I was so excited for this until about four hours in, and then I thought, this is just a bunch of intellectuals just talking about it. So I thought I was going to get some ideas and some practices on how to do this thing, and afterwards... Two days later, he's sitting with Dr. Willard, and Dr. Willard says, Bart, do you think that discipleship is this difficult? And, <laughs> and Bart says, no, do you? And, and, and Dr. Willard says, no, I don't. And Bart asked him, what do you think discipleship is? And the philosopher, with a jam-packed sentence, says it in one sentence. He says, discipleship is learning to obey Jesus in everything. Learning is a process, not a one-time deal. To obey, that's your action. Jesus, that's a person in all things. If you believe what Jesus believes, you will obey him in everything. It follows. Now, it doesn't follow perfectly, I don't believe, in this life ever. Some of you may have figured out how to do that perfectly. I have not. I, I, uh. The other day, I was t- having what I would call a marital discussion with my bride. Uh, and after three days of being a bit sideways in my behavior and in my attitude, uh, I was, she said to me, you, you really ought to just go and reflect a little bit. Take some time. Uh, and I did. I, I actually went and took some time and just thought about my actions and thought about how I'd been the last several days And I thought, I'm missing it. I'm in the wrong. I uh, don't know how or why, but I'm disconnected from reality. I'm living out of a false sense of myself. I'm defensive, I'm impatient, I'm aggressive, I'm short-tempered. And Anna brought some of these things to my attention and said, it's been like three days, babe, of this. surprise you know sometimes you know you see the person up here and you think they don't have marital discussions in their family we do or an argument whatever you want to call it so i just sat there with these thoughts running through my head about how i'm justified in my arguments and about my defense and i thought this is my wife she loves me deeply she wants to see me at my best She wants my best from me. She prays the best for me. She hopes God will bless me. And she's telling me I'm a little bit off for like three days. And I begin just to say to myself, you've got to stop trusting yourself right now. Uh, In this moment, John, you cannot be trusted. (laughs) And what I mean by that is you're living in a reality that has some things backward and you need to center yourself back in the reality of Jesus and his kingdom. And when you do that, your life is reordered. We had these, these uh, verses that Jeremy and Hoku shared. Uh, Don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, Paul was experiencing the, the pains of childbirth. Uh huh, sure, Paul. But. Seriously, he just had this agony until Christ was formed in us. He couldn't wait. Please, please have Christ be formed in you. I feel so strongly about this. Uh, Jesus grew in in wisdom and in strength. John the Baptist grew in strength of the Spirit. There's this process of growing. You're learning. You're becoming. And for me, I was a little bit off. And I'm thinking, well, what if my paradigm and maybe what if your paradigm, what if your way you see the world, the way you understand the world is different than the way that Jesus sees the world and understands the world? You may have a great one, a great paradigm and understanding of the world, but what if it's different than how Jesus sees it? Uh, you woke up like this. I think I have some sort of slide for this. Yeah. There's certain things you woke up believing. I hope. <laughs> you woke up believing the earth is round. I hope. Um, there are some flat Earth people out there. There are. <laughs> It's hard to believe, but there is. You woke up this morning believing that the earth moves around the sun and not the other way around. You woke up believing certain things about our culture. You woke up probably believing that if you work hard, opportunities will come to you. Your hard work will pay off. Uh, You woke up believing that you have individual rights. You woke up believing that. I have rights. 300 years ago, people woke up not thinking that there's a king and i'm a subject and i don't have rights i'm subject to the king here you're like no i have a vote hello i have rights you can't just do that it used to be individual freedom for the common good now it's pretty much just individual freedom uh, for my good right that's where it's moved uh But you wake up believing certain things about your life and about the world and what you think matters. We have a paradigm for how we see the world. And if our paradigm isn't the same as that of Jesus Christ, then we are in trouble. What you think matters. Look at this next slide here. Uh, This is going to make a lot of sense to you. Um, Buddy, help me out here. Antonio Igaz Moniz was awarded the Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine in 1949 for what? Anyone? 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 The lobotomy. The lobotomy. Where they take an ice pick and shove it into your head... And wiggle it around. That's literally the the procedural, what they did. They did 20,000 plus of these in the United States. Where they would shove an ice pick right here above the eye. And then wiggle it around. He got the Nobel Prize in 1949 for that procedure. That helped people with certain psychoses. It turned them into these very docile, pleasant, incapacitated, handicapped people that could no longer. J- JFK's sister had one of these and was incapacitated, essentially a vegetable for the rest of her life. This was not that long ago, folks. This isn't like Middle Ages. <laughs> this is 1949. 1949. What you think about reality matters. In 1950, the next slide, one year, the Soviet Union officially banned the procedure. The Nobel Prize winning procedure was banned in a gigantic country the next year. The Nobel, there's still complaints to the Nobel Foundation saying rescind it, take it back. This doesn't, and they still publish the paper and they think, What you think matters. I think the next slide, is, uh, or the next thing I had on there, I don't think it's the next slide, yeah. The, Jesus Christianity. Now, this was a, a, a turning point for me in my life, of how I thought. For years, uh, I was a, you know, I, I, I've been and I still am a, a Christian. That is my heritage, my upbringing, my My cultural religion is Christianity. And I defended it tooth and nail, and I wanted other people to become Christians and all these. And then I met this man who had traveled to about 220 different countries. He, at that point, had not been to uh, two very remote island nations. And he said, you know, John, a lot of people want Christ, but they don't want Christianity. And in fact, in a lot of nations, when you say... Christianity or Christian, they want to know which one. Is it the Pentecostal Christians? Is it the Lutheran Christians? Is it the Baptist Christians? Is it the uh, Assemblies of God Christians? The Seventh-day Adventist Christians? Is it the Mormon Christians? Is it the Catholic Christians? Which Christians are you talking about? And we just assume, well, it's the evangelical, non-denominational Christians, like branches, right? Uh, And my friend, this, this mentor, his name was Doug, and he says he had had, a, he had had a conversation with another person who said they're the same thing. Christian and Jesus are the same thing. Christian and Christ, they're interchangeable. And he says, really? Okay. He's like, okay, fine. And they're at like a gathering together and, and uh, of friends, and he says, I want you to pray for our time, and at the end, just say in the name of, you know, just pray the prayer in the name of Christianity. And his friend says, oh. And it was that little question that triggered this thought, oh, they're not the same, are they? It's not in the name of Christianity, walk. It's not in the name of Christianity, demons come out of that person. It's not that you are saved in the name of Christianity. It's not Christianity that gives us grace. It's Christ. Christ it's Jesus Christ. The next the next slide here is what it actually says then Peter said silver and gold i do not have but what i do have i give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. What you think matters. Jesus was not trying to push a new religion on all of us. He was trying to open up a whole new way of being in the world that was available in his presence. What you think matters? Let's go back uh, in our own church into the 1800s. The curse of Ham. Some of you don't know what that means. It's not like the curse of pigs that have turned into ham, and uh, it's okay. I wouldn't really know either. Um, curse at Ham, you know, Thanksgiving or something like that, or Christmas. The curse of Ham is Canaan's son, and they. They believed, this is what people believed, the curse of Ham was a curse of God on people and that African people and African American people, their skin was blackened because of the curse. And because they believed that and they had these horrible interpretations of the scripture, they used it to justify not treating blackened people as real humans, so, of course, those people have the curse of Ham. The curse of God is upon them. We shouldn't teach them to read. We shouldn't give them equal rights. We shouldn't allow them to speak. We shouldn't treat them as human beings. And we used it to justify slavery. You know, the Southern Baptists are, were originally Southern Baptists because they wanted to retain slavery. And so they separated from the Northern Baptists. And it wasn't until 1995 that they recanted of their racial... And white supremacist roots and said, yeah, we got that one wrong. 1995, that was not that long ago. Some of our bad thinking sticks around for centuries. Somewhere in there, I, I, I think it's in the Bible where it says, In Christ there is neither slave, nor Jew, nor free man, nor Jew, nor Gentile, nor barbarian, nor Scythian, but all are one in Christ. All are one in Christ. I was talking with one of my, my best friends, Jeremy, this week about this, these thoughts, and He says, yeah, we don't just kind of drift into Christ-likeness. Our natural sort of inclinations are not going to be to go out and be more like Jesus. (laughs) We actually have to work and not trust ourselves sometimes and sort of trust the paradigm of Jesus where he says, oh, you ought to forgive your enemies. He's like, yeah, we don't naturally put other people before ourselves. He says, you know, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We don't really put people before ourselves, that's absurd. When was the last time you consciously put someone before yourself? Waiting in a crowded restaurant, in traffic. Come on in. You too. And you. And you. And all the people behind you are going, what is going on with that guy? He's letting everybody in. They're, oh, doesn't it drive you nuts? That one, you know, Honda Accord that just slipped through right at the end. And you're like, injustice. You know, (laughs) I waited here all this time. And you just got here and got in. Oh, why treat others? I, it, they're, I mean, at the dinner table. No, go ahead. It's the last garlic bread roll, but you take it. <laughs> you have it <laughs> as you feel it inside. Oh, what would it look like to put others before ourselves? This doesn't happen by accident. This happens on purpose. Let's go to this last. I think this is our last slide, isn't it? Let's see. Maybe I missed something. Yep, this is it. So who's with me? Who's with me here? Are you willing to try to begin to believe what Jesus believed? Make the decision today. I want to believe what Jesus believed. I want to believe like Jesus. The actions will follow. So this is is our verse for the week. I want you to wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning, and just check your beliefs. Just check them. Say, okay, I believe the world is against me. I believe the world is getting worse and worse and worse, and I live in this fear that the, the nation is as terrible as it's ever been. People have been saying that for generations. It was way better 50 years ago. It was way better 50 years ago. Okay? Well, we had lobotomies back then. We had slavery back then. We had segregation back then. We had different drinking fountains for different colored skin people back then. Really? It was better? In the Leave it to Beaver age? We had women that couldn't do as much as they can do now, that didn't get paid as much as they get paid now. And there's still plenty of room to grow. There are still after effects that that we're feeling from bad thinking. Okay? Jesus didn't wake up in the morning with fear. In fact, one of his disciples, John, said, a complete kind of love, a whole kind of love, it casts out all kinds of fear, all of it. It gets rid of it. And Jesus woke up with love as his context. That was his guiding motivation each day. Joy was his context. Forgiveness at his fingertips. Oh, that we could wake up and live one day really well. With nothing but love and joy in our hearts. Forgiveness at our fingertips and joy as our context. Come on. Come on. Do not... Let the world squeeze you into its mold any longer. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You wake up tomorrow and you say, I am loved. And already God is trying to reveal it to me. I haven't even gotten out of bed. And already he's trying to reveal to me I am valued. And I am important. And I am deeply loved. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for your words. May we be guided by them. May we learn to think like you thought so that we might live like you lived, with nothing but love in our hearts, forgiveness at our fingertips, and joy as our context. In your name we pray. Amen.